You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 141. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Bukman. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey son, hey son! Woohoo! The three back together! Back together again? Yep. <laughs> Nobody knows who is going to be the host for this uh, podcast. It's always a surprise every week. Yeah. To yeah, us as well. Yeah. Keeps yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's slowly but surely becoming a rare occasion to have the old three of us uh, yeah, uh, for, yeah, for yeah, one yeah. recording. Yeah. Well, as long as long as the episodes are out, I think uh, that's what it ma- what matters the most, yeah. really. Yeah, agreed. Keep ticking along. Mm-hmm. Keep ticking along. Uh, yeah, um, about the recordings and who's who's there uh, when there's a recording on. Uh, I think we should mention again something that is probably the biggest thing that has ever happened to us since we started the show and unfortunately Yelena won't be there but I hope you will enjoy listening to it afterwards (laughs) (laughs) that is our QED recording yeah 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 yes absolutely yeah yeah and we know now when it's going to be as well it's going to be on Sunday Yep. Yep. Uh, or at one o'clock on Sunday, we we'll do our recording, and of course, uh, Claire and Brian will fill in for for Jelena. Yep, indeed. These are very good replacements. Well, I shouldn't call it replacements. No, it's it's the next best thing after having you there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll have you'll have fun. I, I'm going to be there in spirit. Mm, yeah. That's how it works. Mostly vodka spirit or, you know, I, I don't know, maybe... Uh, I was going to go for maybe, it. Maybe a bit of brandy, you know, you never know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was yeah. thinking, I was trying to think of something there to, to react to that, but... Uh-huh. We, we'll try to channel you somehow telepathically. That, that probably works. Yeah, I think uh, we should. Oh, but you could you could just uh, drop in by on Skype or something. Just mm. just to make, make our lives more difficult technically. Technically, yeah. <laughs> All right. But it would be a nice thing to do. All right. I, I think we shouldn't ponder too much on this because the announcement is out there. We will be recording at QED the very last on the podcast track Sunday at 1 p.m. And we got the word from the organizers that it is not very likely to change. So that's when you should expect us to be on. And we are expecting you guys who are listeners of the show, and you will be at QED. We really want you to be there. Mm, absolutely. And be an active part of this occasion. That is very a very important part of our journey. A milestone, a live recording. But uh, milestones aside, I think we should crack on with the regular show. Indeed, let's do this. Because we have a lot to talk about. And as usual... We'll start with Yelena shedding some light on something that has happened on this week in skepticism. Yeah. So. And I would like to share with you, with my pleasure, something that started in 1991. On the 2nd of October, it was um, a ignoble ceremony, the prize uh, ceremony that happened the first time ever, 1991. 1991, that makes it 27 years uh, old. And um, I mentioned uh, the ignoble a couple of weeks ago. They... Um, 
have announced the winners. And it's, a, it's an interesting award to have. And um, it's awarded every autumn to celebrate 10 unusual or trivial achievements in scientific research. And uh, it's been awarded to honor achievements that first make people laugh and then make them think. So the name of the award is a pun on the word ignoble, which is all one word, which means characterized by baseness, lowness, or meanness. Um, and it's satirical social criticism that identifies absurd research, although on occasion such research has su succeeded in yielding useful knowledge. And the ceremony itself takes place in Boston. Uh, I actually looked at the... Um, the location, because as I was reading about it, I kind of thought, wow, that sounds like a real fun ceremony to attend. A um, couple of Nobel Prize, the actual Nobel Prize winners attending this ceremony every year to present. So it's a large, there's a large scientific community that it attends. The winners of the Nobel Prize also are invited to attend. Not many of them, well, um, I think some of them decline, but so, some who are good sports, they, they attend. Um, and there's all sorts of things going on, uh, one of which is opera. Every year they write a new opera. That's a very interesting thing, uh, something for QED to think about. Maybe QED should have an opera. <laughs> Anyways, this is um, just an event where scientists um, just take it lightly, you know, and, and they, it's their ability to laugh at themselves because some of the research that's out there is truly uh, ridiculous being done by scientists and it's a truly international award uh, with many many countries participating from across uh, the world and Europe so Sweden uh, Austria Germany um, Italy Spain Switzerland Hungary France uh, UK Finland uh, Spain there were so many different countries um, the, from, from Europe that, that participated, or not participated, that we've been giving this award um, over the past uh, 20 odd years. Um, UK became a very great contributor to the, to the award. Indeed, the UK has produced at least one winner, and often more, every year since 1992. Ooh. And the, t the pool of UK nominees for the Ig Nobel Prize is so deep that it could easily supply all 10 winners every year. You go, UK. Well, although, I don't know. Hmm. Does that mean that UK does a lot of ridiculous research? Anyway. And uh, there, there was some criticism from scientific community, a um, couple of complaints to say that actually it is taken away from the real serious scientific research that, you know, these things are being awarded and uh, somewhat dim somehow diminishes it. And I, I completely disagree. I think people should be able to laugh at, at, at themselves uh, and uh, some things are not meant to be taken seriously. And so it's good to take a break now and again. Yeah, but I think there is a serious component to this. And I think I don't think people who get it get the prize or feel somehow yeah. ridiculed etc yeah. i think most of them feel yeah. pretty honored because yeah. you know first yeah. make you laugh but then make you think it's yeah it's, there's yeah, always well, a good idea behind it yeah so so one of the guys who complained about it was this um professor from uk robert may so Lord May demanded uk scientists be dropped from consideration because success might harm their careers and um 
he wrote a letter to the Ignobles saying, don't nominate UK anymore. And of course, they completely ignored it because that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, but he wrote it after UK won uh, a prize in 1995 uh, for the g- rigorous analysis of soggy breakfast cereal. <laughs> um, a study of the effect of water content on the compact behavior of breakfast cereal flakes. Ooh. I mean, it's a pretty. <laughs> I That's think, interesting. I think it, was isn't worthy, it? Is a, it was a worthy Ignoble Award in physics, and um, somebody decided to take offense. There's always someone. Um, but uh, yeah, and so I would um, encourage our listeners to research more about Ignoble and find what other ridiculous categories were nominated in the past. And I want to just mention couple again, because it's hard not to. So um, there was a nomination for somebody from South Carolina, farsighted and faithful seer of statistics for calculating the exact odds. The number is 18 numbers long, so I'm not even going to try to, I don't know what that number is. So it's that 12 number long number long. Two one that Mikhail Gorbachev is the Antichrist. <laughs> um, so somebody calculated the odds that he is Antichrist. Um, one one year. Then uh, very interestingly, um, L. Ron Hubbard was given a Ig Nobel Prize in literature. Ardent author of science fiction and founding father of Scientology for his cracking good book. Dianetics, which is highly profitable to mankind or to a portion thereof, which we know probably. Was it given to him while he was still alive or was it given posthumous? I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't know when he died. That was in 1990s when he was given the prize. Presumably he died. Yeah, 10 years years earlier, yeah. 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 Uh, Then um, there was also a... a, uh, Ig Nobel Prize given to for public health uh, to someone f- uh, from uh, Norway, collaboration between Norway and Denmark for their extensive study of the impact of wet underwear on thermal reg- uh, regulatory response and thermal comfort in the cold. Um, so, you know, there's various things that s- sometimes they're, they're funny and useless and sometimes, you know, the, there's other uses that have been found after after the research is done. But um, I don't think it's, it's a bad thing to have something like that. Um, so there we go. This is a great uh, tradition, I think, um, should be taken um, as, as intended, as a humor. Maybe one day we'll visit, you know. Sounds like fun ceremony to attend and um, be, be present um, in front of uh, a bunch of lo- actual uh, uh, Nobel laureates uh, would be great. And also one of the things they do uh, during the ceremony, they, they, you can win a, a, um, a dinner with a, lo- a Nobel laureate uh, during the, the ceremony somehow. I'm not sure if it's a raffle or whatever. So yeah, there you go. Okay, thank you very much, Ilona. Okie dokie. Let's move on to a recently introduced segment that is Pontus Pokes the Pope. So what has he done again? (laughs) Well, of course, his Francisness uh, knows of only one cure to avoid the curse of, quote, the great accuser. I've mentioned this the last time as well. Uh, The great accuser, of course, is the devil who keeps... uh, uh, 
revealing all the sins that uh, are committed within the Catholic Church, and that's not good. So we have to stop the great accuser, and there's only one solution to that, and that is to pray harder. Uh, nothing new here. He's reported uh, uh, advocating that in the past, but what he's done now is that he has declared that every day of, in October one should pray the rosary, and he uh, asks everybody to help with that. So the rosary... Do you know what that is, guys? No, I was going to just ask you what yeah, that is. I'm good. I, I had to look it up. <laughs> I do know what it is. The rosary is... Oh, <laughs> oh you do? Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's a type of prayer. Uh, normally, it's done during specific holidays, like during uh, Christmas or Easter or something. I looked it up, and it's more like a nursery rhyme, really. You have to repeat certain uh, very well-known prayers uh, over and over again. So I will read what it says on uh, Wikipedia, because they explain it fairly well. So, quote, The prayers that comprise the rosary are arranged in sets of ten Hail Marys, called Decades. Each decade is preceded by one Lord's Prayer and followed by one Glory Be. Uh, during recitation of each set, uh, thought is given to one of the mysteries of the Rosary, uh, which recall events in the lives of Jesus and Mary. And you should do five decades per Rosary. So that's, that's quite a lot. That's ten times five Hail Marys. That's 50 Hail Marys every day. And every set of 10 should be preceded by the Lord's Prayer and then Glory Be. Who's got the time? Yeah, I don't know. I guess Francis has the time. That's true, that's his job. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I'm sure that will help. I'm sure that will keep all the dirty secrets of the Catholic Church secret. Well, I was I was going to say, his job is saying these prayers and uh, and hiding pedophiles from being convicted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But everybody needs to help him with doing this, because it's it's what he's doing is not enough, apparently. So the rosary, it's uses a specific kind of equipment as well. It's, well, it's just an object. They're rosary beads. Yeah, you have these rosary beads. Yeah, I'm not sure you always have that, but or, or if you can do it without it. Uh, that was a little bit unclear to me. But rosary beads is a form of... Is it a bracelet or or maybe it's bigger? It's um, no, it's lots. Of, it's like a necklace, and uh, oh, it's more like a necklace. Okay, there are the small beads, uh, um, all put on the same necklace, and you you don't wear it around your neck, but you hold it in your hand, and bead by bead you step on and on and on after every prayer. So this is what keeps you from. You don't have to count it. Because you can... Ah, so to keep track of all the 50 yes. uh, Hail Marys or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's, very that's practical. how it works. I'm sure that It is very practical. Yeah. Is, isn't the Catholic Church really cool? They, they came up with these very practical objects <laughs> to help yeah. prayers. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, I think this is extremely silly and stupid and also... Very, I'm offended that he spent so much time just trying to to oppose the great accuser rather than than actually encouraging the great accuser to 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 make sure that we get to know what's happened and and sort all of that out. But uh, while Francis keeps chanting magical spells, uh, we here at the ESP will continue to poke him very hardly. Ooh. You know why? 
You know why? Because because we are the great accuser ourselves. Ah, uh, we we are the devil. That is we what are, it is. Indeed, we are. Oh, that's a promotion. Obviously, quite obvious. That is. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. I mean, um, I've always uh, I, I used to be an amateur actor, and uh, I've always wanted to play uh, characters uh, of the devil and that kind of stuff. So um, those are the, my favorite characters <laughs> in in all the movie history and theater and and literature for that matter. Yeah, it's always the cold side. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so he he deserves to be poked. Yep, every week or every second week. So thank you very much for doing that, Pontus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you heard of the conspiracy theory that? The reason why Catholic Church is full of pedophiles is because a lot of them are gay people who are not allowed to have gay relationships. And uh, it's it started off by Stalin infiltrating Catholic Church with gay priests. I don't think you need to evoke uh, Stalin for this. I think, quite honestly, I don't think it's a conspiracy, but I think that a lot of people, not all, but a lot of people who are very religious and at the same time very frustrated that they are are gay and or have that kind of tendencies or even being p- pedophiles and they try to hide their uh, the, uh, the, their their shame by going into the church and then they find that actually that's a good place to meet other people like them and uh, things happen mm. yeah i just uh, i just heard it the other day and i thought wow they managed to bring bring russia into this <laughs> i think I, you know the catholic church has been around much longer than the the than right. stalin that's ha- what i th- that's what i thought and I th- <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many more like, scandals way before his time yep. anyway. okay yeah. let's move on to our news items uh because we have a lot of those again uh as usual so why don't we start with Yelena. Bad things are happening in Romania. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, Is it the measles again? No. In this in, in this instance, uh, they're not about measles. It's a different epidemic now? No. There is a um, apparently referendum coming up on October 6th, 7th, which is seeking to limit the constitutional definition of family to heterosexual married couples. Oh, boy. Oh, fuck him. Um, currently, they say marriage is a union of spouses and uh, Romania doesn't recognize same-sex marriage or grant legal protection to same-sex couple. Um, the Romanian Orthodox Church Patriarch Daniel called on voters to approve the amendment. Um, he called the referendum patriotic and profound democratic act. What a lot of bullshit. That was designed to preserve marriage as a union for a man and a woman. That's completely so they basically going backwards in time so so just to get it right they currently do recognize same sex marriages but they, are they don't they don't recognize uh same sex marriages but in the constitution it says that the marriage is a union of spouses whereas what they wanted to say they want to to specifically say in constitution that it will be between a man and a woman oh. making it unconstitutional uh-huh. To, to, okay. uh, this measure would thus make same-sex marriage unconstitutional in Romania. Apparently this referendum was going to take place in 2017, in the fall of 2017, um, following successful citizens' initiative by a group opposed to same-sex marriage. 
Coalicia Pentru Familie, which collected around 3 million signatures in support of banning same-sex marriage. There is something going on, obviously, with some sort of homophobia in that country that's not very good. And um, it's been approved to go ahead, but never happened. Um, And it's been postponed, actually, uh, several times. And now, finally, it's happening uh, on the 6th and 7th of October. So we'll... um, have more updates by the end of the week if if it, if indeed it did go ahead yeah. um so hopefully the answer will be no changes to constitution mm-hmm. but we'll see yep hmm. our constitution does have this specific sp- statement about marriage being between a woman and a man Huh. And uh, it specifically mentions it being a sacred connection. Mm. So, yeah, it says Hungary uh, defends the the institution of uh, marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, now that I mentioned Hungary, we are now, the Hungarian Skeptic Society, we are now busy dealing with um, um, a really interesting issue about a cancer quack who is... Uh, more than an interesting fi- uh, figure, uh, because he sells something. Have you ever heard of uh, uh, GSE? GSE? No. Yeah, grapefruit seed extract. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is that another cancer cure? The seed extract? Because I've heard uh, that. Oh no! It's a it's a it's a cure all yeah. thing. Yeah, I've I've heard the same <laughs> about um, peach. Uh, peach stones. Yeah. Stones, yeah. That. Yeah, I've heard the about cure, that. The day cure cancer. So it's a variant of that same myth then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's also known as a, a citrus seed extract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And basically what it does, it, it's a, it is a, it's a liquid kind of extract. And um, uh, they, they usually use uh, glycerin with it. And uh, they, they usually don't use the juice itself. It's just the actual seed. And there is all sorts of different different claims about how uh, effective it is as an antimicrobial thing and a, an agent, and and that obviously it cures cancer and everything else. Mm. So, and th- there's this there's this guy in Hungary who runs a company called uh, Doctor Chabai Pharma. Doctor uh, is the prefix for someone who's either a medical doctor or a PhD. And he claims to have PhD, but he doesn't give any credentials whatsoever (laughs) anywhere. And someone on one of our forums, someone accused him of having a fake, of fake credentials. And uh, now the authorities are contacting us for giving uh, information on these commenters because there is apparently an ongoing investigation regarding um uh, libel it's 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 becoming slowly but surely uh, becoming a libel case apparently uh, so now what we did we decided to deal with the, the issue by putting out a call for anyone who can give us proper information on uh, his credentials, mm-hmm. what qualifications he actually does have, and uh, where does he, where does it all come from? Uh, the other interesting part, obviously, if you want to know uh, about more about someone's background, these days one of the places you see and you look for the information is LinkedIn, right? Mm. Of course, yeah. 
Now you go to the his LinkedIn LinkedIn page, and all there is is the experience section mm-hmm. says that he's the president and owner of this company since January two thousand fourteen. That's mm-hmm. all. <laughs> okay. So that's not very convincing, eh? So he became, yeah, he got a PhD. He just forgot to to brag about it. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But he uses it, and he claims to have uh, given uh, talks and lectures at uh, different uh, academies and academic institutions, universities, and 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 everywhere else. And uh, there, he he writes about HPV and why it's a complete bullshit. Which it isn't, and it's a serious issue uh, that has to be dealt with. Mm. And his uh, his um, product is called Grape Vital, and he claims all sorts of different uh, cure-all effects of that mm-hmm. product. I assume this this hasn't been tested scientifically. Well, interestingly enough, it has. And the interesting part is that for some reason, whenever they ended up testing um, a GCE, so the the grapefruit seed extract. Uh, they always found two components that are most likely not natural components. And they nobody knows how they ended up in the system. So one of them is called, called uh, benzalkonium chloride, and the other one is called uh, benzatonium chloride. And uh, both are um, kind of surfactants, so they, they can... Uh, used as cleaning agents, for example. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they do have antimicrobial effect, so that has been proven. The problem is that these compounds have not been tested for medical use. So yeah, for human consumption. Yeah. The human consumption and the effects on, on human health uh, have not been tested. Yeah. But he claims that his products are completely natural as opposed to other products. Obviously, he has to have a sales pitch. Hmm. But it's not been proven. It doesn't look like it. Um, hmm. So, yeah. But GSE has been proven not to have any kind of pharmaceutical yeah. effect whatsoever. Surprise, surprise. So I think I can use this particular platform to say that he's just a cancer quack and he's talking bollocks and he should be stopped. But our organization is, is I don't think we have the balls to really do that and say it out loud, but I really hope we can get to that that stage at some point. Because I want to publicly accuse him of being a quack, mm. call him out. Yeah. But now what we what we have done is uh, publishing that call for information <laughs> on his credentials. Uh, so, sorry, did you mention his name? Uh, no, uh, his name is Jolt Chaboy. The funny part is that there is a Jolt Chaboy who does have a PhD, and he's a microbiologist. <laughs> okay, but it's not the same guy. He's not the same guy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Shall we go to Sweden? Yeah. Oh, let's go to Sweden. I've always wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> Contrary to this other guy, uh, it. I don't know what his name was. Uh, there is a guy who did have a lot of credentials. And we've talked about the late Hans Rusling on the show before. He was a Swedish physician, statistician, and science communicator. Uh, in fact, a 
we talked about him already before he was the late Hans Rosling. We even tried to get him uh, on the show uh, on an interview, but he tragically died in January 2017. About a year after that, his last book was published, which we have also mentioned. It's called uh, Factfulness. It was compiled and co-written uh, by his son, Ola Rosling, and Ola's wife, Anna. Uh, and it's been widely praised by, by people like Bill Gates and also others. It is an amazing book, which looks behind popular misconceptions of how the world is and instead looks at facts and real data, and it's intended for the general public. Now, the news is that on an initiative by the Nobel Center in Stockholm and a private foundation, the book will be made uh, freely available to download for all students in Sweden uh, when they attend the third year after the 10 mandatory school years. So this is people, so for people around their 18th year, 18th years of age, they will be able to download this book for free. Mm. So that's very good news. How can how can we download it for free? I don't know if we can, but I have bought it, so I have it downloaded uh, as an ebook. Mm. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, is it available as uh, different kinds of ebooks or? It's it's available. So can you can you have it on an iBook or? I down I bought it on uh, Amazon, so Amazon. it was okay. on Kindle. Yeah, uh, but I'm sure you can get it for uh, other formats as well. Mm -hmm. I haven't looked into. Okay, cool. Yep, sounds really intriguing. Mm -hmm. But it's good to. I love that when when you make things available, especially to young people who who need to to be wiser than we are. Yeah. <laughs> Our generation was anyway. Good luck with that. <laughs> Spain, oh, somewhat cancer-related as well. So the, there was an open letter signed with the message that pseudoscience kills uh, by all uh, several uh, for all, over four hundred doctors and scientists in Spain. Um, this letter was sent directly to Health Minister Maria Luisa Garcedo, um, asking her to act against the pseudoscience. Mm. Good. Yes, and um, it warns the, against the harm of the pseudoscience and the, the, the fact that the, the pseudoscientific methods are growing and kind of spiraling out of control. So sp I guess Spain is in the same boat as all of us. We're observing this happening uh, all over Europe and I guess the world as well. Mm -hmm. um, probably for various reasons, I can imagine uh, the social networks probably will have a lot to do with that. But uh, the reason for this letter or the trigger was um, a case of a cancer patient who died after refusing regular medical treatment. Uh, so it, it's Rosa Marilla, a journalist, and she noticed that she had a lump in her breast in February 2014. And instead of using traditional methods, she turned to practitioners of pseudoscience and... Um, Soon later, her lump had quadrupled in size, and within a year, the cancer has spread. And um, two years after that, Rosa passed away um, in circumstances so painful that her family would rather not discuss them. Mm. That sounds pretty grim. Pretty grim. They're mentioning a couple more cases like that, and I'm sure there, there is hundreds of, if, if not thousands of cases. Um, and I guess the scientific community now is... Uh, 
fighting back bringing yeah coming together to to do something about it um i mean writing a letter is great and bringing attention public attention to to this uh, is great um i'm not sure how much it will change things uh, i'm very skeptical i'm always skeptical because people always will have free choice that they they will be making and as as long as there there, is, there are practitioners of pseudoscience i don't know is there really any hope in, in getting rid of this kind of uh, this kind of treatments? I'm not sure. Yeah, but they're, tur- they're turning to to politicians to trying to influence politicians. That's and right. So, yes. Yeah. That's true. That's so that's true. good. That, that you know that's one way to do it. Definitely agree. Yeah, influencing the policy. I guess one of the most effective ways: policy and uh, the law. That's that's very true as well. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah. So. There we go. Well done, scientific community of Spain. Good. Oh, there is another community that is doing a really great job, and that is uh, the small group of people uh, within uh, GVUP, the German skeptical organization, that is called Information Netzwerk Homeopathy. Uh, they are educating the public, and they're, they're putting out material uh, to educate the public uh, regarding homeopathy. And a great step towards that, I believe, will be, and not only for German audiences, but for international audiences uh, that Natalie Grams, this really brilliant woman who used to be a homeopath and then she turned skeptic and now she's a leading figure of uh, this uh, anti-homeopathy campaign. It's not really anti, so that's, yeah, I should I should rephrase that because it's exactly that what she do- doesn't necessarily do. She tries to build bridges. And one of the greatest steps towards that will be a book of hers published in English with the title Homeopathy Reconsidered. And uh, the subtitle is What Really Helps Patients. Yeah, that's great. We've been waiting for this. We interviewed her uh, quite some years. Well, maybe it's almost two years ago now. but, But we interviewed her when the book came out in German. And we asked her, when is it coming in English? And now it's happening. Great. Yeah, and and why it's really great is because we I'm pretty sure that we are losing this so-called battle because we are hitting everyone head on, and uh, with with uh, the, our claim that homeopathy is just bogus and it's and it's bullshit, it shouldn't be uh, used. Instead of trying to understand the questions that people have in their minds about homeopathy and try to answer those questions honestly and in a calm and relaxed way. And I'm pretty sure that if someone can do that, it's Natalie. Uh, She has a very nice personality to her, and uh, she's absolutely knowledgeable about about homeopathy. She knows everything about homeopathy, so she's the best person to do this, I'm pretty sure. And I'm really looking forward to reading that book, Homeopathy Reconsidered. It's going to be out uh, at the beginning of December, so everyone out there, you can buy it as a gift to your loved ones for Christmas, Yes, in case you celebrate that. Um, (laughs) But you can now pre-order it uh, on the uh, website of Springer, which will be the publisher. Great. Yep. Perfect. Well done. Yeah, well done. All right, let's go to the UK. An interesting story there. Over the last three years, there's been rumors and investigations into something called the Croydon Cat Killer. Ooh. Have you heard about this uh, 
Uh, Jelena, you you live in the UK. No. <laughs> no? Okay. No, because someone has apparently over the years killed and mutilated hundreds of cats, leaving their bodies lying around, gutted, without tails, or with their heads ripped off and missing. Mm. And the Telegraph has called it, quote, one of the most puzzling murder mysteries. Mur is it murder when you kill cat? Okay. Of course it is. Murder mysteries of the past decade, as fearful experts describe a serial pet killer who was likely to move on to humans next that's end quote there so they they uh, there's been quite some um, fears going around uh, a lead investigator on the case detective andy collin told reporters that there was a known link between serial killers and animal torturers and quote the assumption is this killer is getting some form of gratification end quote the BBC talked about it, said that the psychological profile has been drawn up by the National Crime Agency, and it suggested that, quote again, the killer's problem with cats stems from a deeper problem with women, or with one woman in particular, end quote. Isn't that too far-fetched, though? I think we will... There's a, yeah, there's been quite some hysteria about this, actually. An animal rights advocacy group, uh, uh, people for the ethical treatment of animals put up a £10,000 bounty for the killer, along with a description of that sub suspect as well. Luckily for us all now, the case has finally been solved and the investigation was closed on 17th of September. Uh, they had found that the solution was a totally different one. Uh, the pets were simply roadkill, cats killed by cars or similar things and then have been mutilated by foxes and other predators they never they have even caught some of these activity on camera and they being the uh, metropolitan police so the the there were never was a killer it was just mass hysteria and there uh, has now been a natural explanation for all of this there was never a zodiac cat killer <laughs> there was never oh a cat my killer God. but i i really love the fact that it triggered so many speculations about the characteristics yeah. Yeah. of that p particular person oh my freaking god <laughs> oh but it's not quite over yet because as one could predict this solution does not satisfy everybody a spokesperson man for the South Norwood Animal Rescue and Liberty Organization. Believe it or not, their acronym is SNARL. <laughs> uh, they have, quote, real-life pet detectives of their own, and they told the Telegraph that the group was surprised over the police uh, action and insisted that they had gathered evidence to indicate human involvement. So I'm sure we will hear some more about this in the future. Oh. Yeah, so, that's yeah. exactly what we need. Yeah, <laughs> hearing about it. There you go. Okay, but uh, yeah, it's a good <laughs> thing that you meant you did mention it. Uh, yeah, can I just get back to praising uh, Information Network Homeopathy? Please, of course. Um, I just uh, came across uh, something. A couple, couple of um, articles published. So they have a, a list of uh, what kind of things they have published recently. Um, uh, interviews with uh, Norbert Aust, whom we interviewed as well on the show, on this show, uh, and Natalie Grams on on different uh, newspapers and magazines. But more interestingly, there is a new video that has been published 
it it is quite a spectacular one of that. It's um, uh, made using different drawings, and it explains why homeopathy uh, is is not something that you should trust and you should use when you are you have any health issues. And uh, I'm I'm I, I see the potential in this to be translated into other languages. At least uh, putting up subtitles of, of, of for this video because uh, it's absolutely lovely. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just recently published, like on the twenty second of September. So it's uh, fresh and new, but it's still uh, it's it's starting to gain some uh, some interest apparently uh, it has been viewed a thousand times uh, within two weeks so I think uh, it has the potential to get to people if we compare it to the number of people living in Germany obviously it's not that many okay. but uh, I'm, I'm hoping it will take off all right let's have a little unusual measles update this week i'm going to talk about a report uh, an interesting study published in the european journal of public health it's a study from italy uh, who reported a significant correlation between public health spending per capita and mmr vaccination rates mm. so mmr rates should be as we know above uh, uh, 95% to keep measles in 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 uh, sh in check or in under control because measles is very very contagious. Uh, the latest numbers from 2014 in Italy shows that it was just around 85%. So there's no wonder that they've been hit uh, very hard by the measles epidemic. Uh, close to 3000 cases in the uh, in the 12 months leading up to end of July this year. But uh, how about this study? It claims to find a significant correlation between the health spending and vaccination rates. And the, the authors say that for each percent cut of health spending, the vaccination rates drop by half a percent. I looked at that study and I am not convinced, actually. Mm. If, uh, because there was a big bump in the public spending between 2007 to a high in 2010, and then back again to the same level in 2012. If you go to the study, you can see this graph there. And during that time, the vaccination rates actually stayed the same, more or less. And then the following years after 2012, the spending again stays the same, while vaccination rates plummet uh, from 90% to 85%. So I'm not uh, uh, any kind of statistics expert, but this doesn't seem right to me. I, I think there is a chance, at least, that this study has just found a code incidental correlation here, or maybe it's there, but it's very much weaker than they say. And I think there could be other factors that make it seem like a possible causation but I think that I still suspect that the anti-vaccination movement is doing most of the harm. Of course, I, I'm a f fan of uh, of uh, health spending. So it's not that I say that we shouldn't do that, but I I wonder if they are barking maybe up the wrong tree here. Mm. Yeah, but when you think of uh, what we always advocate for is uh, the political connections and uh, political actions towards changing the the environment or changing the, the the cultural environment. I mean, when it is connected to politics, it always becomes politicized. And mm. uh, criticizing budget cuts is 
an integral part of political gain, right? Exactly. And, so, and political uh, debates. Yeah, and that this might be some sort of you know way of of uh, advocating more health spending in Italy, which I am for, of course. But I don't think you know I don't think it, the study necessarily proves what they say it proves. It's interesting. Anyway, we'll see now um, how, what happens to the vaccination rates. Uh, uh, for MMR in Italy, because since 1st of January this year, it is now mandatory, which it hasn't been before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to Ooh, see. Watch this space. Yeah, see yeah. If, if it makes a difference. Because you're an anti, yeah, because you're anti-mandatory uh, I'm not, I'm, vaccination guy. Yeah, I'm, I may come across as that. I'm not anti-mandatory. I'm just, uh, I have question marks and I'm not sure that it works. And that's the only thing. I don't think it's proven that it works. I'm not necessarily against it like that. But anyway, we'll see how it turns out. Unfortunately, the, the, we can follow the, the cases of measles quite regularly because that's published at least every quarter and sometimes for some places every month. But the vaccination rates very often is very much delayed. The latest numbers, as I said, for Italy that are, have been published is from 2014. So that's four years ago. So we'll see. Can I just mention something about your, your question marks? Mm-hmm. Sure. That I, I agree and I totally understand your concerns mm-hmm. um, because I do share them to some extent uh, because I'm um, an advocate for uh, proper understanding and democracy and and everything that comes with it. But when it comes to public health, uh, it's I'm pretty sure because of the nece- uh, necessary uh, vaccination rates to to uh, to be achieved in order for for us to have herd immunity and the like it's too important an issue uh to leave it up to the people but then it becomes another issue a different issue an issue of communication because at least if you make some something mandatory uh, you have to be able to explain why it is necessary yeah. so that everyone understands why it is necessary. Because otherwise, people will only feel left out and will only feel controlled by the government. And in the age of conspiracy theories, this is exactly what we need to avoid, yeah. uh, that kind of feeling. So Yeah, but then we agree because that's exactly why i think it may in some cases make more harm than than good yeah. to make it mandatory and i don't know necessarily that vaccination rates will go up mm-hmm. at least not as much as you may think yeah yeah anyway but can we agree then that uh if you make it mandatory you have to make the effort the extra effort to make it understood by everyone why it is you the case. You always have to make that extra effort, but yes. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. Again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. Yep. Um, I think that has been all the news items that we wanted to share with our listeners this week. So let's move on to the next segment, which is, again, Pontus telling us who's been really wrong lately. Yes. Somebody has been really wrong. And it's not... Naughty boys. Just... It's not just anybody. Uh, I normally uh, have respected and still do to some extent the World Health Organization, WHO, 
for doing very good deeds in the world. Uh, but a recent initiative makes me wonder a lot. I have big question marks for what they've planned here. As reported in the journal Nature, it appears that next year, when the WHO will adopt the 11th version of their global compendium, known as the ICD, or the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems. How can you make that a three, <laughs> three letter uh, acronym? I don't know, but. <laughs> I, I guess the I S C D R H P doesn't isn't as catchy. It's no. not the rolling of the tongue. Exactly. Anyway, whatever they call this global compendium, it's a very important one. Uh, they will now, on the next year's edition, they will include details about traditional Chinese medicine or TCM. They will uh, feature a classification system in chapter. 26, which will guide on the terminology and usage of TCM. A TCM training and research institution called Five Branches University of California says, quote, for the first time in history, and remember they are on that side, for the first time in history, ICD codes will include terminology such as spleen chi deficiency or liver chi stagnation, end quote. What the actual fuck? Do we want to give official codes to bullshit treatments or, or, or diseases like that? It's outrageous. Yeah, we, we know that chi is the life force uh, with, according to TCM, uh, traditional Chinese medicine. And, and according to them, chi is something that flows through the body. And when it's out of balance or blocked or whatever, it may cause diseases and health issues. But hello. Chi has never been proven. It's totally made up. Has no scientific base whatsoever. Maybe, maybe the WHO missed that little fact. Yeah, and I looked into it a little bit more, and it seems like this change has come about after a huge project was started in 2004. That's 14 years ago, which was initiated by several Asian researchers in order to agree and categorize TCM theories. But because, of course, if you go to TCM and you talk to different practitioners in different countries, and there's so many versions of this that they couldn't even agree. So they've spent 14 years to harmonize their terminology and, and things. And now that that thing is making their way, its way into WHO's ICD documentation. There are some uh, speculations that, uh, that after the tenure of Margaret Chan, who ran the WHO between 2006 and 2017, last year, the ties between WHO and Chinese medicine practitioners has grown much warmer than before. And now it has come to this. You know what it, it reminds me of, this uh, harmonization kind of effort? Mm-hmm. It reminds me of uh, the canonization of the Bible. 
through all the councils. <laughs> yeah, and just a scientific, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is this is probably why it reminds me of that. Yeah. The the big problem with this is of course that quacks all over the world will have a field day uh, yeah. and uh, and find it much easier to promote and defend and justify their nonsense. Justified by the who. So it's the who 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 justified who it? Who justified who? it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> who let the dogs out? <laughs> so for embracing these old practices, which is very close to zero basis in science, the WHO gets today's prize for being really wrong. No. Yeah. Really, this is. I'm, I don't want to keep banging on this issue, but it is important to do some kind of counter lobbying. Yeah. Because while we're busy trying to persuade each other how to change the world and and uh, why these other guys who believe such nonsense are silly idiots, uh, these guys are doing the job of lobbying and making changes like that. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Okay. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Yeah, I think that the day when we can charge for skepticism the same way they charge for their bullshit, then we will get the means to, to do the lobbying. There's no money in what we do. That's why we lose. We should probably uh, try to find, yeah, a midway, some kind of a midway that uh, we initiate the the transactions with with some kind of a bullshit that we lure them in and then we try to feed them skepticism. Yeah. You will be able to rule the world if you enroll on my course, uh, because you will have the brain power and everything that uh, everything of that sort, and uh, and then you start feeding them actual critical thinking skills. Mm. How does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Tell me when you've worked out that plan a little bit more in detail. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Whatever. Thank you very much, Pontus. <laughs> Thanks. And this uh, brings us to the the end of the show, which uh, cannot be b- without a quote presented by Yelena. A quote from N- Napoleon Bonaparte. Mm. He was a French dude. I don't know. Have you heard of him, guys? No, not really. Anyway, he <laughs> said he said that the only victories which leave no regret. Um, are those which are gained over ignorance. Here, here. Wow. Mm. I didn't know he had said something like that. Of course, I, I, he knew all about victories. Um, right. But uh, <laughs> uh, not the intellectual ones. I didn't know. But okay. No, but... Uh, don't disagree. So great. I think it's a great quote. Thank you very much, Helena. And indeed, thank you very much, both of you, uh, for joining me today. Thanks, guys. Been fun. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. Пока-пока. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. 
We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Sorry, 27, right? It's 27, yes. 27. Oh, sorry. Start <laughs> okay. again. For, um... Referendum. Oh, but, but... Bad things. Yeah. Each percent cut of health spend... Spent <laughs> health. What, what is it? No, sorry. No, no, no. Just skip it. I think it's, it's, not, t- it's too not, deep. <laughs> it's too deep, and it's not even true. So <laughs> <laughs> let me just stop myself there and right. move on. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Ching bunga.